Okay, you know what? Ty Ravine is with us in studio. Welcome to the show and welcome to uh, Winnipeg, Ty. Thanks for coming. Thank in. you, Shadow. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, first, first thing out of the gate, how come you don't use those commercials? Well, I have redone the jingle and I do kind of use that commercial. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard the new fangled version of, of that. And, oh, and really? That is a commercial that goes back, at least for me and, and most Winnipeggers, mm-hmm. uh, for 40 years, maybe? Oh, yeah. It was it, it was uh, created in the 1960s when the Beatles first came over, 1964. I think my dad came up with that through a friend, Johnny J- or Jerry Gone, or Johnny, uh, Jerry Gone from Seattle. And, uh, and it really kind of had this rock and roll appeal, and everywhere we went, people would be singing that jingle. I remember going to high school in Salt Lake City, Utah, and people would grab me in the hallway and say, the man they call Ravine and shake me. And, you know, I mean, it just had that. It was one of the most clever jingles ever written and probably one of the most famous. Uh, you would think immediately of, of your dad, you know, with the beard and, and the hair. It was And the way he'd stand with his hand out like that and all the publicity <laughs> photos. And you do that now too, right? You've yeah, got all that stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, when, how old were you when you first went out on the road with him? Well, since I, we were all born, all my brothers were born during a ravine tour. And so my mom would take like a week or two off and then she'd be back on the road and we'd be in these little uh, little pen they put backstage or in the dressing room and drag us around with them. We were like uh, circus kids traveling, uh, you know, so traveling the world. Life. Yeah, it sure was. I mean, yeah. you, you you didn't really, do you have a, have a hometown? Oh, yeah, but we traveled once two years without going home when I was in my 20s, you know, but we were so busy touring that we never once went home for two years. But it wasn't uh-huh. like slave labor. It was more like uh, we were playing Bermuda for six months or, or four months and going to uh, Scotland for three or four months. So. so it was a worldwide thing. You know, yeah. the funny thing about your dad's show, the original Ravine show, was that it almost seemed like a Winnipeg thing for, for us Winnipeggers. You know, oh, there's Ravine again. You know, it seemed like he was always there. Oh, we did hundreds of shows here. Yeah. You know, since the early 60s, I think 1961 or 62 was the first time he ever played here. And the show was a huge success right across Canada. But we uh, we absolutely love Winnipeg. We remember so many great things that happened to us here. And uh, it was part of my upbringing, and I'm so happy to bring it back. I'm very thankful. As a matter of fact, we've been trying to set it up for years, but... Uh, we couldn't get the logistics and the dates right or the venue. It, everything has to line up when you're in show business. Right. Or it's geographically impossible or not profitable to do it. And then uh, thank God for Club Regent Event Center to bring us in. That We're absolutely thrilled about it. Well, we're, we're thrilled about it, too. This is Friday night, your show yes, at uh-huh. Club Regent Event Center. And so um, what, were you the one that had to take on, somebody had to take on the mantle of Ravine, right? Well, when I was five years old, my father told me that one day I'd be taking over his show. He picked me out of the four kids. And I think I showed an aptitude of doing uh, things with him late at night, helping him with advertising at a very young age. And he said, one day you'll be taking over the show. So he implanted the seed, and it uh, it was always my destiny. But then I became uh, kind of spoilt by, uh, he also told me I was a very creative 
kid, and uh, and I did become that. I don't think I had a genetic disposition that allowed me to be any more different than anybody else because he told he planted that suggestion and I embraced it. So I became that really creative guy and I ended up designing uh, stages and uh, tours and special effects for some of the biggest names in show business and that kind of delayed my process into taking on my uh, destiny of being the next ravine. Well, which is a great uh, career that you've uh, been doing since the mid-80s and I'd like to talk to you more about that at, at some point but uh, did he put you in the superconscious state and tell you you were going to be creative and, and successful doing this? Well, maybe subliminally, you know, he would implant suggestions. That's why I encourage all parents to always tell their children that they're creative, they're brilliant, they're very smart, they have a lot of potential because that conditioning makes them, you know, especially if they embrace it and you say it repetitiously, they become what you tell them they will become. And and we live in a world that's full of negative bombardment and yeah. advertising. You're too fat. You're not thin enough. You're not smart enough. You got to do this. You got to do that. It's all negative conditioning. And so once you overcome that, and that's what the show is all about, overcoming negative self-conscious fear. My father realized at a very young age that he had some emotional problems because his mother abandoned him at a very young age. And he always blamed himself. So he he went to a magic club or a magic store, and the guy said, you know, you could become a great entertainer, and I'll sell you one trick, but I want you to rehearse that and come back and show me, and then I will sell you your next trick. So he really made him perfect it. He became a great artist in magic. And then he uh, read about hypnosis, a story about Anton Mesmer, uh, back when he was like uh, 12 years old or around that, and he tried it on a friend, and it worked, and he didn't understand why, so he snapped him out of it, and then he started really studying it. And by the time he was 19, he knew more about medical hypnotherapy or hip, hip, the history of medical hypnosis than most doctors did. So he combined the two together and made the greatest show that people have ever seen. Are you still doing that show, or have you made some changes Well, to the it? apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree, and one thing that we agreed, <laughs> my father and I, before I took over this show, that this show has to live up to the expectations of his greatest dedicated patrons, and uh, it's one thing we agreed on, and uh, we've had tremendous success, and everybody says he's just as good as his father. So uh, I take that as a great compliment. How did you learn this? I mean, I, now I know you were expo with your dad your whole life and, and all of that, but did you actually say, Dad, you got to teach me how to do this? No, it's like being around him for 30 years professionally. I took him to medical uh, lectures that he did, and I was just exposed to it my entire life. So it was very natural as he told me that I would one day take over the show when I was doing the show with him. And if you've ever seen the Ravine show, the likelihood of me being on stage is tremendous, uh, that I was kind of imagining myself in his shoes. And when the opportunity came, the transition was quite natural for me. Did you ever perform in front of him? Oh, yeah. I had to go down and do some, uh, do some <laughs> auditioning, and that was probably the nervous the most nervous time I've ever had. But uh, your dad's he, sitting there watching you do his show. Yeah, and uh, taking me through the drills and just asking me all kinds of questions to make sure that I knew what I was talking about and knew how to explain things. At one of your dad's shows in the 80s, um, I went up on stage. 
right? I, I wanted to see if I could get into the super conscious state. Now, the way he did it, and I'm sure you do it the same way as well, you take up, what, like 75 people or, or however many? Yeah, we ask for volunteers. Yeah, and so all of these people go up, and I'm, I'm going to say maybe half of them make it past. I'm not quite that, get selected for the... Like, how how is it... What does a person have to to be willing to do? You have to have your mind right open to being allowed to be hypnotized? Is well, that how yeah, that works? Well, yeah, it's a cooperation between the subject and, you know, the conductor of it. And uh, nobody can be forced into the superconscious state against their will. Right. No one can be forced merely by the power of suggestion alone into doing anything that is directly opposed to their deep-rooted moral convictions. And that's just Hollywood stuff that says otherwise. So, uh, But a lot of people are self-conscious in front of crowds, and they wonder, oh, what am I going to end up doing? Will I embarrass myself? And, you know, one of the things that we teach people is that uh, that your negative self-conscious fear is the biggest enemy of the human mind, and once you overcome that, and we do that through the uh, scientific uh, state of applied suggestion, make people overcome their self-conscious fears and put them into a deep state of relaxation and then guide them into a spotlight where they become great stars. And after the shows, they their family says, I had no idea my husband or, you know, family member was capable of this. It's It just blows people away. One of the great tenets, though, of the Ravine show, I think your dad and you have this as well, is you're never going to humiliate people in front of... Absolutely. We do not embarrass anybody in any way. We do not ask them ridiculous or embarrassing questions about their past or their personal life. Stick needles into their flesh, burn them with matches, or make them chew candles or soap. <laughs> our, show, our show doesn't bow down to any sensationalistic cheap shots. It's all about celebrating the human spirit and make, showing that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. And that's why it's been so successful. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm can't wait to come and see you on Friday night. Do you still do the thing with the guy who forgets his tie? Oh yeah, okay, I'll do the, I'll do that one for you. <laughs> Please do that one. Right. I love that. That's fantastic. And the guy building the sandcastle. Yeah, that's that's a that's a hallmark. Classic. And the guy with his finger in the dike. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff that we still there's classic parts of that show. I'm never going to take out. Yeah, but it has its own ring to it now. And yeah, uh, it's it's fantastic. And and so. The new version of the commercial, where can I find this? Is it on YouTube someplace? Is it on your website? Yeah, or is... you, you just search it on YouTube, type in Ty Ravine, and you'll you go to ravine.com. You'll see the infomercial, and it has that new uh, ravine.com or ravineshow.com. You have to know how to spell ravine, R-E-V-E-E-N. The man they call. Right, now, do you bristle a little bit when you hear the man they call a ravine? Does it? bring back memories of your dad for you or are you now the only man? the fond fondest of memories but you are know. you now the man they call ravine i am indeed you are you got the look going too <laughs> you got the beard you got the hair you got it all and and can we take a picture for the facebook page yes i, I need to know how to pose that that hand it's called the ravine whammy the, <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> Thank you, Ty. Uh, have a great show on My Friday pleasure. night. I'll be there. And Thrilled the to for... be in Winnipeg. Thank yeah, well, you very a couple, much. Are you going to hook up with some people, some old friends? You're oh, yeah, the Magic Club and, you know, friends from way back. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ty Ravine. Ravine, the show at uh, Club Region on Friday night. Coming on, man, the call Ravine. You'll never forget Ravine.